Good morning. It's great to see you guys here today. We're one church in two locations. So hello to everybody in Knoxville. We start a brand new series called How's It Going to End? And I think that's a question that a lot of people started asking and have really always asked, but but it's a question that probably picked up a little bit more steam and attention uh, after going through a global pandemic. I mean, uh, when you think about what we went through as a country, I hope it started to open up your eyes a little bit. When the government is shutting down businesses and mandating uh, you know, vaccines in order to work somewhere, mandating that you have to wear a mask to be able to shop or eat somewhere. And, and uh, while liquor stores are open, um, churches had to close. And so you start to scratch your head and you start to think, wow, we're not as safe as we thought we were. The, our, our way of life and in fact, uh, just how our culture operates is, is not as, as, as sure as maybe uh, once and so as we dive into this series for the next few weeks, we're going to study uh, the second coming of Christ. And the study of the end times is called eschatology. And so when you study eschatology, when you start to think about it, when you read about it and uh, get into all the different prophecies and those kinds of things in the scripture, a couple of things begin to happen. And one thing that happens is that passion um, and passionate people um, come to the surface, right? This is one of those things where uh, you, you've got some people and some of you are like this. You are SEAL Team 6 Bible ninjas and you love prophecy and you're subscribing to the End Times newsletters and you know, the Jerusalem news and, and you're on the up and up and all that and you're connecting all the dots and all these kinds of things. And so a lot of passion uh, happens. And then at the, at the same time, um, uh, sometimes a lot of fear uh, begins to grip our life as well. So I wanted to really kind of set the tone today for this series and walk us through a few things before we jump into scripture. But the first thing that I would say is we wanna be cautious about sign chasing and thrill seeking teaching. And the reason is because it sells. There's a lot of money to be made uh, by connecting the dots and, and, and saying that this prophecy uh, means this. And, and when you sell books that have, you know, atom bombs exploding on the front cover with demons and smoke, a lot of people pay money to read the book, right? And so we wanna be cautious when it comes to you know, saying that this particular thing is happening in the world and that means this is being fulfilled. We wanna, we wanna recognize it, we wanna be aware of it, but we also don't wanna be inundated with this uh, hyper extremity that would cause us to say, uh, chase uh, signs at every turn and to seek actually out this thrill teaching. So we wanna be cautious about it. But then secondly, I would say we wanna be cautious about second coming obsession, right? And so this is one of those topics where a lot of people get really excited and they start to read all these books and, and uh, all these interpretations and, and they can really become obsessed with it. And so we want to remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 23, uh, 23, where he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you tithe mint and dill and come in and have neglected the weightier matters of law and justice and mercy and faithfulness. And so I think the, the, that the application of that verse could be applied when it comes to eschatology. We don't want to err on the side of studying too much of the second coming 
and neglect the weightier matters of faithfulness, of making disciples, of love, of justice, right? So we want to be cautious about that because it's really easy to get obsessed and it's really easy to be fearful about the second coming. And when we read what Jesus says about the second coming, we see that he tells us very clearly that we are not to fear. We're not to allow fear to overwhelm us. In fact, Revelation 2.10 says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. And so when we talk about eschatology, we're talking about things that should bring us hope in a turbulent world. It should bring recognition that God is in control. When people start to say things like they did in 2012, that the Mayan calendar is gonna you know, end and that means Armageddon is coming and, and then, uh, then it doesn't happen, right? Um, we, we shouldn't be shocked because that, that, that sign chasing and that thrill seeking is going to be here. People are going to predict uh, the end uh, and, and when that date is going to be. It's, it, it kind of always has in it and it is going to continue to, to happen there. And so we want to be aware of that and we want to be aware that if we are you know, setting dates and, and then we're saying this means that and then it doesn't come to fruition, what ends up happening is people start to think that, well, the the Bible must just be a conspiracy theory or the Bible isn't trustworthy. And that's not the case at all. So we as Christians have to be faithful to the word, not to be so extreme with this means that. Um, and we want to be wise and cautious about that. And so uh, be cautious about second coming obsession. And then thirdly, I would say we want to avoid my way or the highway thinking. So again, some of you are very adamant about prophecy. You're very adamant about, about your interpretation and your beliefs about when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And so anytime it is a my way or the highway mentality, when it comes to prophecy, you are in dangerous waters because there are a lot of men and women, people that I love and respect that believe differently about the end times than what I do. We don't argue. We have discussion. We can talk about it. But at the end of the day, it should not cause division. Remember in base camp when we talked about the essentials and the non-essentials. The essentials are those things that have to do with salvation. Who is God? Who is Jesus? What is the gospel? Those are, are issues where, yeah, if we, we've got to believe these things in order to actually be a Christian, to be a partner at FC. But there are many things that, that are non-essentials. In other words, we can disagree about how uh, we interpret things in Scripture, but it's not a divisive issue. We see the world canceling each other and, 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 and fighting each other. But as believers, that's not how we treat one another when we believe differently about things that are open-handed in the Bible. So we want to avoid my way or the highway thinking. And then number four, we want to avoid the second coming date predictors. Anybody that says, this is the day, you want to be very, uh, very cautious and leery of that person because Jesus uh, very clearly says, nobody knows. Nobody knows the hour or the day of his return. In 1988, best-selling author Edgar Wisenot predicted that in 1988, uh, Jesus was going to return. Hence, the best-selling author note, right? It sells. And so we want to be careful about that. One time, uh, President Candidate Pat Robertson predicted uh, it was going to happen in 1982. Of course, it didn't happen. Herman Armstrong, founder of the Worldwide Church of God, predicted the end times would happen in 1972. Didn't happen. So we avoid people who say he's coming back this year because Jesus clearly says no one knows. So we don't know the date or the time, 
But the scripture does affirm that we are to be ready for his return. The scripture does tell us that we should expect his return. And it's very clear that we should anticipate his return. In other words, we should long for it. We should want it to happen. And so we, we really tremble with a holy reverence when we open up the word of God when it comes to end time prophecy, because there is an air of mystery to it. We can say, well, I think it means this, but it could also mean this. And so there is debate and there's struggle and there's mystery, but, but we know that it's about hope. We know that when the world is, 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 is ending, we know as believers, we have hope. That's what the scripture teaches us because it's all about Jesus. In the Bible, God peeks back the curtain just a little bit and shows us just how big God is. He wants our vision of God to get a little bit wider and deeper. And he shows us, these are some of the things that are gonna happen. And here is what Jesus is gonna do. So we, we gain greater confidence when we study eschatology, not fear. We grow hope, not anxiety. And so here's what we can know together as we start this series. The first thing is we do not know when Jesus is gonna return. We've established that. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36, that the, uh, concerning the end, no one knows the day or the hour, right? So we don't know when it's gonna happen, but we do know Jesus is coming again. We know that very clearly in scripture that he will return. In fact, in John 14, verse three, Jesus says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to be with me. In Titus 2.14, it says, waiting, we are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then in Revelation 1.7, it says, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. We don't know when he is coming, but we do know he is coming. And then number three, we would say that the world as we know it will come to an end. This world is dying. This world will come to an end. In this series, we're gonna talk about the tribulation. Uh, we're gonna talk about the millennial reign, which is um, on the earth, by the way, uh, for a thousand years. And then we'll talk about the final judgment and the new heaven and new earth. And so we know that this earth is dying. It is going away. And so the question is, are you and I ready? When we talk about eschatology, when we get to this point, we have to ask ourselves that question. Are we ready for this? And in so many ways, I would say that the church is just not ready. Most people just aren't ready for this to happen. We can hardly take a, a mean Facebook post, let alone persecution as a Christian. And so as as weak adults, what do we do? We raise even weaker children. And so I, I pray that this series would help us get serious about our faith. Some of you who don't know Jesus would truly give your life to Jesus. Some of you that are just kind of tiptoeing around in faith, or some of you are half-hearted, or some of you aren't really serious about serving the Lord, would get serious about serving the Lord. Because we don't know when that day or time is coming. And by the way, he's not coming back as a baby. He's not coming back to save the world. He's coming back to judge the world. So when he does return, it will be too late. So that's why we must prepare 
now. Today, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. Hope you will bring a Bible during this series. This is going to be more like a Bible study than than, uh, anything else. And we want to know what it says, and I'll do my best to interpret it for us. And, and again, if you believe differently about some of these things, this is something that we can talk about, we can, we can have uh, discussions about. Some of you are going to want to send me emails and buy me books and, and uh, subscribe me to your End Times newsletters. Please be cautious about that, and uh, I would appreciate it. The other day I was driving, <clears throat> my wife and I were going to dinner, and so uh, we're, we're driving and I had to, I, I typed in the address in my phone so Siri could tell me where to go because I, I don't just need one woman telling me what to do, I need two. And so, <laughs> so I'm driving, you know, down the interstate and, and uh, she's telling me what exit to get off of, but I'll be honest with you, my mind was somewhere else. I was paying attention, very cautious about being a good, safe driver, but at the same time, I was not thinking about where I was going. So I'm, I'm zoned out, and some of you guys are, are with me on that, and I'm thinking about some problem, doing whatever in my mind, and, and we're getting closer and closer to the exit. I'm in the left lane, and as we get closer and closer to the exit, I'm not paying attention to Siri, and, and uh, my wife is getting nervous over here, and right as we get up to the exit, my wife screams, this is our exit! So I very carefully and safely crossed two lanes of traffic to exit and make sure that we got to the restaurant. And as I was exiting off of the interstate, I looked at her and I said, honey, I know where I'm going. I don't need you telling me and Siri, right? And then we have what I like to call some intense fellowship um, as we went to dinner. Supposed to be a good date night. Didn't start off so well, but... My point in telling you that story is just like I can daze out and and, and be zoned out when I drive. Um, So many Christians are just kind of zoned out when it comes to the second coming of Christ. We're so just kind of focused on the problem that I have today. And this problem is like this huge, big, massive problem. And it takes up all of our energy and all of our focus and we think about it and we long over it and we, we worry over it. And, and there is this bigger, grander picture that is around us that is happening. And the signs and the things that God is doing to usher in his second coming are, are beginning to unfold, I believe. And, and some of us are just zoned out. And you're zoned out on your faith and you're zoned out on what Christ is calling you to do today. And my hope is that in this series, we would begin to zone in. We begin to get serious about our calling in Christ. We would get serious about evangelism. We would get serious about our calling. And, and so uh, we'll start today with, with the signs that, that really Jesus predicts in Matthew 24. Uh, they're walking by, he's walking by with the disciples, the, the, the temple there in Jerusalem. And uh, the disciples are very like, wow, look at this awesome building. And this is so beautiful. And Jesus takes that opportunity to say, one day this whole thing is going to fall down. And then when he says that, they walk down the hill in this little valley, the Kidron Valley, and they go up on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus uh, sits down with them. And in Matthew 24, they ask him the question, hey, when's the temple going to fall? And what are the signs of this second coming you've been talking about and the end of the age? And and that's where we pick up here in Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, here are the three questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming 
and of the end of the age. And the first question is the things, when will the temple um, collapse or be destroyed? And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. In other words, don't fear when all that happens. It must take place. Trust that God's in control. It's not, it's not falling apart. The world's not going to hell in a handbasket and we're losing our country and we're losing all this stuff. No, don't be alarmed. This must take place. It's part of the plan. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So the disciples are asking this question. When is the temple going to fall? What are the signs of your second coming? And what are the signs of the end of the age? And so in ch chapter 24 and 25, he is answering that question and helping them understand. He gives them at least nine different signs to be ready for and to look for. And as we look at these signs today, we're going to say, okay, we're seeing, we're seeing many of these signs happen. And uh, really throughout all of the generations, they, they might have looked at these signs and say, okay, well, I think this is happening. And so I think the point though, the difference is uh, as we get nearer to the end, these are signs that are going to intensify. We're going to see them more and more and more and more, right? And so it's a little bit unusual, more than, uh, than, than usual. And so we want to keep that in mind as we think about it. And I think most importantly, he tells the disciples to be ready. He wants them to prepare for this. And we prepare by knowing the signs, being aware of them so that we aren't afraid and so that our, our faith doesn't falter when all of this starts to happen and think that God's not in control. It does the exact opposite. It allows us to be reminded that He is in control and that He did say that this was going to happen. So our faith should grow. It should strengthen us, right? And it should uh, increase our hope. It should increase our confidence that yes, he will return. And in fact, that it could be soon. And he's gonna take us to actually be with him. And in verse 23, he says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so the hope is we trust in him. We believe in him. You and I will be saved, right? So let's talk about what these signs are. What, what are they? And the first one that he mentions here, you can just circle them in your Bible, write these down. The first one is he says there will be false messiahs. These will be people who claim to be the Messiah or uh, that they will be equal to God or they were some you know, main prophet speaking on behalf of God. And so when you look at uh, all the different religions, they all have a person who is a false messiah, someone like uh, Joseph Smith of the Mormons that would say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you also have to believe what I say. So he is a, he'd be a false prophet. 
Um, you see in, in Islam, you see various people claiming to be messiahs. In Judaism, you've seen over the centuries uh, many who claim to be uh, the messiah. In our own uh, day and time, the late 80s, early 90s, you probably remember David Koresh. Uh, he was a leader of the Branch Davidians and he claimed to be a messiah. Right, so we're going to see this increase over and over again. In verse 4, he says, do not be led astray by these folks. They're going to say and maybe even do things that are very impressive. But the Messiah has already come. His name is Jesus. There's not going to be another one, right? So false messiahs will begin to happen. And then he says world violence, right? And so in verse 7, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So there will be conflicts. There will be wars. There will be rumors of wars happening. And of course, we're seeing that today. We're seeing uh, Russia invading the Ukraine. Um, you probably have read about that. You maybe not heard about the civil war in Ethiopia where thousands have died or the war in Yemen where many have died as well. Uh, you, we just have to be aware that, you know, the, <clears throat> the mainstream media only has so much time uh, to, to share their stories and so many columns in the newspaper to write about. And oftentimes some of these wars don't get a lot of attention. And we don't hear much about them, but it's important for us to be aware of, of everything that is happening because we point to that. We look at that and we say, yeah, this is, this is happening more than what we actually are being told or, or that we're actually paying attention to. Israel and Palestine are, uh, seem like consistently in a conflict. In 2021, 250 people died in a battle. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I read that Israel sent some missiles over to Syria. And so there's just always conflicts and there's wars and rumors of wars happening all around us. Is China going to invade Taiwan? And what's, what's the U.S. going to do with, with Iran? And who's, who's, who's really allies now with Russia? Is China jumping in together? So we're watching this and we're aware of this. And, and again, we, we don't see this and we don't say, okay, God's not in control. It's all falling apart. We say, no, this is, this is part of the plan. God doesn't create wars. He's not the one that, that, that is doing this. He's allowing this to happen because it's part of the judgment that he's bringing on the world that ushers in the second coming of Christ in the end of this world. And judgment in our eternal life happens after. Thirdly, we see natural disasters, famines, earthquakes, hurricanes, flooding. You know, we, we look at some of these floods and we think, Oh man, this devastating flood. But then again, you know, you, you built 20 feet below sea level. Surely that was going to flood. And so, you know, some, some of this is like, I don't know if we should have built there. And then some of this is like actual predictions of, of, of the end times, right? And so we're going to see this. Nature, um, it, things in nature are going to happen. In Luke 21, verse 11, Jesus adds in the same um, discussion in, in, in that go Luke's gospel, he adds the words plagues and pestilence. And so, you know, uh, insects or, or even global pandemics are, are part of the natural disasters that happen. Wildfires, uh, volcano uh, eruptions and all of this. And, and I'll talk about this more next week. But and you can kind of begin to see that uh, the narrative that will easily be shared to kind of explain all of these things is something potentially like global warming. Well, because of global warming, that's why the hurricane or that's why the flood. And, and, and as Christians, we're just wiser than that. You know, whether, whatever you believe about that stuff, at the end of the day, 
We know the world uh, is, is coming to an end as a result of God's wrath. And he is going to bring these things to fruition. So we're wise and, 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 and we're cautious and we, we trust that he's in control no matter what we see. Earthquakes are happening every day. We don't always feel them, but they're happening. Uh, the really large ones, 7.0 and above, are, are happening every year. We saw one uh, this year in Papua New Guinea, 7.6 on the Richter scare. We, we saw one in Mexico this year that was equally as devastating and large. In Alaska in 2020 and 2021, there were huge earthquakes. We didn't, sometimes they're off the coast and we don't see the damage to a city, but, but nonetheless, they're still happening. Peru in 2019. So we're seeing that taking place. Famines are all over the world because of our exit uh, from Afghanistan and Taliban's takeover. Uh, they're saying that millions of people are going to suffer famine in Afghanistan this year. The, because of the civil war in Ethiopia, uh, thousands, if not millions, are going to be experiencing famine there. And so we, we, we kind of sit back here in America and we think, well, we're always going to have fast food or we're always going to have stuff. But then you go through a global pandemic and you can't buy toilet paper. And you're like, well, maybe we're not as safe as we thought we were. And uh, so some of us, you know, pack, pack our bags and we go, you know, off the grid to grow our own food and do our own thing. And like, bro, you're going to be the first one to go because we're all coming to your house. So <laughs> you're not safe either is my point. Um, in verse eight, he says, these are all birth pains. Um, essentially what that means is sorrows. It can be translated as sorrows. So these are the beginning of the sorrows, uh, the beginnings of, of, of uh, uh, your, your pregnancy. You know, things are going great, ladies. But the day that you are going to give birth, things start to happen. You know, pain, other things that happen that I'm not going to talk about. But... They do, and you know that it is time. In the same way, these things beginning to increase and increase more and more, and the beginning of the sorrows will take place, and, and we'll know that the end is coming. The fourth sign that he teaches us here is of persecution of Christians, and it will increase. Sure, people in China are oppressed who might be Christians, but um, we, we see it pockets all over the world where Christians might be uh, persecuted, but but during this time, the persecution will be a worldwide persecution against Christians. And so it will intensify uh, more and more. Our country and others will, will move further and further away from God's standard and God's word. And God's word will continue to, to, to be something looked upon as hate speech or, or uh, immoral or, or wrong. And so as Christians, we know that that is going to take place. Jesus said, the world hated me. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. So persecution will increase. And then number five, he talks about many will turn away from Christ. Many people who we thought were believers, many people who were at church every Sunday, many people who said they believed in God during this time will walk away from their faith. You say, well, how? How could that happen? Why, why would people walk away? Well, they never had it in the first place. So often people just go to church because it's helpful for their business. It's helpful for my kids. It's helpful for my marriage and not necessarily because they love Jesus. You say, well, how, how do I know that's not me? And I'd say, well, are you genuine today? If you're genuine today, then you'll know during that time of persecution, you know you'll be genuine then. But if you're half-hearted today, chances are you'll be the first to walk away. 
Chances are when, when it's a decision between you know, keeping your job or taking the mark of the beast, those in this camp who don't know Christ will easily take the mark of the beast because you'll have to have that in order to buy and sell goods during this time. And so those who are believers will, will be wise enough to recognize that, okay, that's, that's probably what, what Scripture talks about. And they'll, they'll have to sacrifice. They'll have to maybe walk away from a job. They'll have to you know, go hungry for a season. They'll, they'll, they'll have to walk away from some things to maintain their commitment and faith to Christ. And for many, they don't know anything about sacrifice for Christ. They don't know anything about a, a, a real relationship with Christ. And in our day and time, especially in the South, you can have a Jesus fish sticker on your car or on the window of your business, and it might actually be helpful for your business. People might say, oh, well, they're a Christian. I'm going to go there. During this time, that won't be the case. Uh, the early Christians, they knew what this was like. In the first century, if you were a Christian, people wouldn't do business with you. They didn't want to sell you anything. They didn't want to you know, go into business with you. And so they were poor. They were persecuted and they were thrown into jail for their faith and their teaching. And so when, when Jesus begins to talk about this, um, you know, they were very familiar with this language. They would have said, oh yeah, this could happen today because I just, Paul, right? I was just in jail for my faith. So, so in their minds, all of this was happening in their time. And um, I think it's important that we're aware. Uh, yes, nature, yes, persecution, but yes, many turning away from Jesus. And then number six, we're going to see an increase in false teachers. So yes, we have them today. We have always had them, but there will be an increase of more and more false teaching. A false teacher is someone that would say, this is what, you know, I believe versus this is what the Bible says. A false teacher would be somebody that wants you to follow them more so than put your hope and follow Jesus. And so we want to be aware um, during this time, persecution is breaking out. You've got famine. You've got devastation um, with earthquakes and all of these uh, different things that are bringing uh, chaos into the world. People are going to be latching on to anybody that offers hope. Right? It's going to be easy for politicians and, 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 and for teachers to give hope and say, well, it's just science and it's just global warming and it's just that and it's just this. We're figuring it out. We're going to take care of you. And sure, there's going to be a lot of people that just kind of fall in line with that and, 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 and put their hope in government or put their hope in, 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 in leaders. So a lot of false teachers will um, be in place at this time. And then number seven, evil will actually increase. Uh, we're, we're seeing that now, but evil will increase. Verse 12 says lawlessness will be increased and the love of many will grow cold. And so we're going to see this evil increasing and I think we are even seeing it here in our country over the last year or so. We've seen uh, crime rates rise. We've seen murder rates rise. We've seen people in inner cities or uh, bigger cities around the world or around the country rather that are just really unsafe after dark. And, and uh, I have friends that you know, travel to these places uh, uh, quite a bit and people tell them, yeah, you're pretty safe here. Just, just make sure you're in by dark. Like, what? In by dark? You know, what is that, right? Uh, it's happening all over our country. Second Timothy 3 verses 1 through 4 says, In the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud and arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, 
rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. I would say that's a list that we could check, 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 check. Um, very, very um, sure of that. Number eight, evil is going to increase, but number eight, here's a positive note. Faithful Christians will endure. Whew, this is a good one, right? We've seen a lot of, okay, these are some tough ones, but this one's a good one, right? The promise is that those who are faithful believers will endure during this time. It is important that we understand that. If you're a genuine follower of Jesus today, you're committed your life to him. He will give you the grace to endure this season. He's not promising us that we won't suffer. He's not promising that it won't be difficult to be a Christian during this time. But he is promising that those who have their faith in Jesus will endure the suffering. He will save us, right? So I know, again, the question is, will I endure? Are you genuine now? If you are, then he'll give you the grace and the faith to pursue. Some of you would say, I'm not sure. So I think this series is a, is a time for you to reexamine your faith. Have you given your life to Jesus? Are you sure that you've given your life to Jesus? Are you just half-heartedly committed to Jesus? Are you here and kind of and not and maybe and, 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 and wrestling with that? I would encourage you to, yes, give your life to Jesus. Yes, get serious about your faith. Christians faithfully will endure. And then number nine, we see that the preaching of the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. So the preaching of the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. Verse 14, he says, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world. And so the question is, as we interpret scripture, we say, what does that exactly mean? That that it's going to go to the whole world, that's going to be preached to the whole world, right? And it's going to be a testimony to all, all nations. And so, so there's debate on what, what that really kind of looks like. And how do we know what's going to be the measuring stick for us to say, okay, it's gone everywhere, right? I think that's one of the difficulties when we look at prophecy is that uh, that's one of those things where we're a little unsure how that would happen. Now, in the 20th century, uh, um, statistics say that, that the gospel has really exploded, at least shared in so many places. By the year 2000, only 28% of the world remained unreached, which is great progress and, and really, is a, a, really is a sign pointing to this prophecy. But, but still, they, they, they say, researchers say that there's 5,000 distinct people groups that don't have any church planning movements happening today. So there's much work to be done. But we think about this, that we're, we're, he's saying essentially the gospel is going to be available. It's going to be preached um, in some way around the world. And, and so we, we, we sit back and we think, well, technology is certainly helping and allowing something like that to happen, isn't it? You read about what Elon Musk is doing with, with the uh, worldwide Internet. And wow, wouldn't that be something if third world countries and all around the globe, no matter where you were, uh, would have access to the Internet and, and essentially access to the gospel, if we could get it into their language. So things like that, I think technologically will happen, uh, really fulfilling scripture like this. So we would say, okay, not all of these signs are, are being filled, probably. I mean, maybe in some way they are that we don't know about. So I would never say it hasn't been fulfilled, but it kind of appears like maybe that's one that just hasn't happened yet, but that is not to say that it couldn't happen this year. It's not to say that it couldn't happen uh, in the very near 
future, fulfilling that, ushering in everything else that God tells us will happen. Finally, number 10, and this isn't really one of the signs. It's really a fulfillment of one of the signs. But he talks about the abomination of desolation. If you look at your Bibles in Matthew 24, again, verse 15, he says, this is all going to be happening. All these signs are happening. And then when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And so this is interpreted in a couple different ways. One way is that when Daniel talks about the abomination of desolation, he's talking about a future prediction. Some people believe that when Rome conquered Jerusalem and destroyed the temple in 70 AD, that was the prediction that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24, that the temple would be destroyed. And this was the desolation that happened. Uh, many people believe that that is, uh, was partially fulfilled by Rome at that time, but that also it will be fulfilled in the future by the Antichrist. The thought being that the temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem um, at some point during these end times. And, and then the Antichrist will go into the temple and desecrate it in some way, claiming to be God. And um, he gets injured. And um, there's a little bit of a story there I'll talk about in the next couple of weeks. But uh, when that happens, that really ushers in the great tribulation that Matthew 24 speaks of. And so uh, some of you might at this point say, well, I'm a pre-tribulationist. And so I believe the church is going to be raptured before all of this takes place. Some of you might say, well, I'm a mid-tribulationist and I think he's going to come um, just before all the really bad stuff happens and we'll be in some of it and we'll leave. And, and then there's others of you that would say, uh, well, I, I think we're going to go through it as a church. And so we're a post-tribulationist or at the end of the tribulation. That's when Jesus comes. And so I'll talk about that next week and, and uh, share what, what I believe on that. And uh, again, non-essential. Fact is, he's coming again, right? That's the most important thing. And uh, we, can, we can have our opinions about all these other uh, questions. But the, the point is, Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling you and I to be ready. He's telling you and I to be prepared. Here are the signs. Here are all these signs. There, you know, many of them have, have been fulfilled. Some of them are maybe being fulfilled in ways we just don't understand. And so the reality is we want to be ready. We want to be prepared. We want to know and look for the signs that might be all around us. And, and so people ask, are these the end times? Are these the end times? And I would say, maybe, probably, yeah, I don't know. But get ready, because it could be. And you think, well, man, that's not very clear. Well, that's the nature of prophecy. We kind of think it is, and we kind of see these things happening, but we're not 100% sure. And so that's why Jesus says, Get ready. Here's what I do know about everybody in here. You are living in your end times. You don't know how much longer you've got. You're not promised tomorrow. Your end times are right now. You get one chance, man, to make your life count. You get one chance to fulfill your purpose in this life. So that one day when we talk about the final judgment, one day when you stand before God Almighty, you might hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Everything we do in this life will be held accountable for. So these are our, our end times. These are, these, this is our moment to get ready. This is our moment to be prepared. 
So when the suffering comes, when the persecution comes, when the devastation comes, our faith is steady. Our faith is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. We, we endure and we experience that promise and we are faithful and we are encouraged. And yes, we can help other people who will be struggling during that time. We can be a voice of reason, a voice of hope, continuing to share the gospel. I'll close with three, with three things that I think are important when it comes to these signs. How do we really apply this? And I would say, signs should get our focus on sharing the gospel. If the fulfillment of, of, of the end is that the gospel is going around the world, that means that you and I need to be a part of ushering in this prophecy. And so sharing our faith with our family and our coworkers. And, and yes, as a church, we, we resource the International Mission Board that is sending thousands of missionaries all over the world and planting churches. And the North American Mission Board is planting churches all over cities who are unreached in North America. Why? Because we want the gospel to move forward. We want to see Jesus return. We want to see this happen. And some of you would say you, you've been through a lot of suffering and pain and, and you're, you're on the side that we're like, yeah, I would love for Jesus to come back. There's a anticipatory longing there. Some of you are like, well, man, I'm really building my business and I've got kids and I'm doing my thing. I really want him, I really want him to wait. And you just have no idea how ignorant that statement is. When you compare the glory and power and majesty that my pea brain can't even comprehend. But when I, when I seek to try to understand the glory of what our eternal life is gonna be like in heaven, it is a mere pale in comparison to the greatest or best part of any time in your life. And so that's what we're longing for. That's what we get to experience, right? So yes, I want Christ to come back, longing for that. And so it focuses us on sharing the gospel. Uh, signs should, should grow our hope and faith. Again, grow your hope and faith. Remember in the last series, we talked about how anxiety should be a trigger to prayer. I'm worried, I'm upset, I just need to pray. Right? When we talk about prophecy and end times, instead of allowing that to trigger you to be fearful, it should trigger you to have hope. Okay, I'm worried about this. Nope, I hope in Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. He's growing me and, and strengthening my beliefs so that I'm ready and I'm prepared. And then finally, signs should give us a, a passion to finish our race because this is our end times. This is our end time. Like we don't know how much longer we have. And so finish your race. Your race is different than my race. Your journey, your race is different than your kids or your grandparents. Fulfill the race that Christ has called you to. Hebrews 12:1 says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Love what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Are you keeping the faith? Are you fighting the good fight? of sharing the gospel and making disciples and building the kingdom of God? Or is your focus just on your kingdom and your wants? Love the story of John Stephen Aquari. He represented uh, Tanzania and the 1968 Olympics in Mexico or Tanzania, if you're from there. Um, I love this story because he's running the marathon and as he's running the race, he dislocates his kneecap, he falls, he bruises and messes up his shoulder and 
Everybody thought it was over for him. And he goes to the medical tent. They kind of bandage him up, stitch him up and all this kind of stuff. And to everybody's surprise, he got back on the racetrack and he continued the race, hobbling and limping all the way through. And finally, well, after uh, the race was over, it was dark and here he comes dragging you know, himself across the line, his bandages kind of flapping in the wind. And at the end of the race, people were just like, why did you do that? You came in dead last. What was the purpose? What was the point of, of putting yourself through that? And I love his response. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race, to finish the race. Some of us need to finish our race. Right now, your race is struggling. Right now, your problems and your issues are overwhelming you to where ushering in the second coming of Christ is a, is a far cry, a far thought from where you are today. And I get it, I understand, it can be difficult. But part of our faith and part of our growth is preparing ourselves for what Christ is, is, is leading us to experience. And that's gonna require some focus. It's gonna require commitment. It's gonna require you and I to put all of our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. Right? We look for these signs. We see them being fulfilled in so many ways. And we say, yes, Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come and get us. As we wait for him, we pray. Let me ask you to bow your heads. I know some of you are probably maybe questioning your faith. Are you ready? I pray that this series would be that series that would would, would finally get your attention, get your eyes on the Lord, get your hope on the Lord. And some of you who are far from him, maybe even today, you would say, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm not sure if I'm ready, if I've even done that. If that's you, I want to encourage you to go to our care and prayer room today and just say, you know what, I need to give my life to Jesus. Scan the QR code in front of you and fill out that form and say, I need to give my life to Jesus and we'll help you make that decision. It's the most important thing you can do right now. For others of you, it's a, it's a further being prepared. It's a yes, learning and growing, but it's also important that your endurance and strength grow. And so I, I pray that you'll be back. Bring somebody next week as we talk further about this either way. We're going to ask God's blessing upon us because we need him. Let's pray. Father, Lord Jesus, we need you so desperately. We need you for understanding of these events. We need you for hope in these events. We need you, Lord, to help us process this. So would you grant those who would, would become fearful of this, the, the, the peace and the grace to have their hope strengthened. For those who don't know you, for those that are far from you, Lord, we pray and ask that that you would draw them to yourself today, that you would call them, that they would commit their life to you. As we worship you today, God, we pray that you in fact will be glorified. Bring us closer to you, bring us hope. And we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.